Hello. Welcome to today's edition of The Family That Podcasts Together. Thank you for joining us today on episode whatever of Weeds Together. 18? I have no idea. I don't think it's episode 18. Chapters no. 9 through 11 of Gentle and Lily. <clears throat> Turn the page when you hear this sound. <laughs> Ding dong. <laughs> <clears throat> books this week yeah except mom who doesn't use a book because <laughs> i'm not old do you have print version of <laughs> no like oh yeah she's using a kindle but she listens to the audio it's not just audio but you can see words yeah no this is separate than where i listen to the audio book oh gotcha so yes she has so yes <laughs> she has words no <laughs> yes she does oh yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah no two different apps Direct. To the point. <laughs> Whatever. Why do you look so confused? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So chapter nine is about advocacy. I did not enjoy chapter nine. Yeah. yeah a lot of it was the difference between intercession and advocacy. I did, I did not enjoy chapter nine. <laughs> it, it wasn't a fun, <laughs> fun one. It's important. It wasn't fun. It was not fun. <laughs> it was very long. Was it? It felt long. It felt long because he didn't like it. Oh. And it was one. It was a bad one for me to read at the time because I went in and I was like, okay, I haven't liked it. I'll go into this open-minded. Maybe I'll like it this time. And then I read that. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Did you learn anything from it, though? I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of words laying there. But... Yeah. Yeah. Probably on over on chat, or page 90, um, just the, the differentiation of it, he starts the, the second paragraph off with, mm-hmm. do you see the difference? Intercession is something Christ is always doing, while advocacy is something he does on occasion, when, when the occasion calls for it. Yeah. Apparently he intercedes for our general sinfulness, but he advocates for our specific sins. And he talks about it being, it's very much a legal term. Yeah. Like, your lawyer advocates for you mm-hmm. in a specific case mm-hmm. for a specific thing, whereas intercession is would be constant. He he used on 89 the term deep solidarity. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that word, like that phrase, deep solidarity. Because he's not just advocating for us but he's standing with us in it because i mean the whole book is he's he feels what we feel like he is okay able to so sympathize. if i if i'm tell me if i'm understanding correctly mm-hmm. because this is what i got interceding is like being between us and god like interceding between us mm-hmm. and being an advocate or advocacy is like standing beside us. That's literally what he says on the first yeah. page. Yeah, he says an intercessor stands between two parties. An advocate doesn't simply stand in between the two parties but steps over and joins the one party as he approaches the other. So he's standing with you approaching God, not just between. Yeah. I just think that's important to point out yeah people may not know what we're talking about yeah so 
just talking for, but being with. Yeah. He's on. He's on your side. Yeah. And it really is very much a legal term because, like, it's always stupid for you to try to represent yourself in a court of law. Like, anytime somebody does that, it never say, seems to go well. Person who represents himself has a fault for a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. And that, he brings that up in here. Like, we can't advocate for ourselves because we are sinful. We have no excuse. But he can advocate for us because he has the evidence. And the evidence would be his sacrifice. He's already paid it. It makes me think of kids when they want to do something and they're like, you go ask mom. No, you go ask mom. <laughs> Let's go together. Yeah. Or whoever's the favorite at the moment. <laughs> Who's great right now? Yeah. <laughs> grape. Yeah. Grape is our family term for favorite. It's got a whole story. We won't go into it. Story. Yeah. <laughs> Not yet, anyways. Not yet. We'll talk about it later. It's another episode. <laughs> a fun episode. Yeah. Very bad sales pitch for this book. <laughs> I like the book. Mom does not like the book. There are good parts. Yeah, I wouldn't say I don't like the book. I just am not jazzed about it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You know. Yeah, it's not exciting. It's not exciting. I think I would maybe enjoy it more if I read it in a week. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to study. You know, or read it. Or read it. <laughs> or read it. <laughs> I know. I could, like, mom's listening to it. I could not read, listen to this book. I couldn't listen to this book. It is too wordy. I think it's and, easier to listen to. No. But I can't listen to any I, book. I did find today, though, because I, I read chapter 11 pretty quickly. Um, I did find that reading the book quickly is more satisfying to me than, like, really focusing on it. Yeah. I don't know why. So, in this, I mean, he, he spends a lot of time on that and talking about when we... So, you know, you have that picture of you come to you come to Jesus you for the first time. So, it's like, I'm a sinner, I need a Savior, be my Savior. So, at that point, he becomes... At that point, he... He becomes our, um, uh, uh, what's the other word? The inter- the mediator or the intercessor, right? He intercedes at that point with his sacrifice. His advocacy is, would that be a part of sanctification? Like, because, so positionally, when he atoned for us, I think that word needs to be in here, but and it may come up later in the book, but when he atoned for us, he intercedes, makes the payment, and says for all time to God, hey, y'all's relationship is made right because this payment has been made. Intercession has been made. That's not what intercession is in this context. Like he, like I think this book is after atonement has taken place. Intercession is constant. It was that chapter like Jesus prays for us. Mm-hmm. He's constantly interceding with the Father on our behalf to keep us saved. 
but the advocacy is when we sin like each specific instance of when we sin so the atone like i so think all still of not this a positional thing that happens in that though because throughout that whole time you're still in right standing yeah legally. yeah he's i mean it's a difficult chapter really because I think there's so much wordplay going on with it that these could overlap so much. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. But I I do think that there it's it's different things biblically too. Like it's not just in this book. The Bible sets up different roles that Jesus plays for us mm-hmm. as Christians, and all of this is post atonement. Like assuming that you are saved, you have gone through the salvation experience. Now Jesus is interceding, but he is also your advocate because the. The verse that he, all of this is built on is First John 2, 1. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Which the full verse, he says, if anyone does sin, then we have an advocate. Intercession doesn't isn't really dependent on when we sin. It's just all the time. is why Ethan and I don't enjoy it as much because we don't like to pick it apart. <laughs> Y'all like to pick things apart and debate uh, yeah, about it. I do. Yeah. Well, we don't. I didn't get to spend as much time. We've still been working on the house, so as much time digging into this as I normally would. Yeah. Um, he uses the paracletos or, or paraclete later on. And growing up, that was a phrase that we would use for the Holy Spirit like that was a lot of the come beside was the paraclete was the Holy Spirit how the Holy Spirit partners with you in your daily life as a, as walking side by side kind of what they're talking about here like you that was attributed more there than to Jesus mm-hmm. because in our daily living you know Mm-hmm. Um, and again, we may get into this again later, but um, but again, I, I go back to the idea of sanctification in that. Like, it's there's a there, there's a there's a partnership to it in my brain to where I'm walking alongside to I've mended your relationship. Now I'm strengthening your relationship. Mm-hmm. Um. But again, that, that's more of a Holy Spirit work. Uh, I think that's one, like, he doesn't get into the Holy Spirit. And, like, this this is a Jesus book. Yeah. So it's not, like, the, the differences between, because the intercession, I think, see, I always... how can you avoid that? I, you know, there are certain denominations that... But even, I mean... <laughs> avoid like, that. But, like, you can't... Let's go with the word helper in this. Yeah. Like, you have to actively ignore it. Yeah. Because he he literally says to the disciples, if I go away, I'm going to send a paraclete. Right. That's where that word comes from. Yeah. Because he says, if I go, you want me to go. Because they, they didn't want him to go. He said, but you want me to go because when I go, I'm going to send a helper, a paraclete, that will come alongside of you. Well, and he says, like, when he brings up paraclete, he says the Greek word translated as advocate Paracletos is used five times in the New Testament. The other four are all found in the Upper Room Discourse 
each yep. time referring to the ministry of the Holy Spirit after Jesus ascends to heaven. But that's really the only time he mentions. Yeah, and I and really in my in my brain, that's kind of those those areas to where you have the offices of the Trinity. Yeah. You know, it's it's God as creator, Jesus as mediator, Holy Spirit as helper. Yeah. Like that that ha- is really kind of the framework that I have in in those. Um, I mean, you can there's over there's overlap cuz it talks about the spirit going over during creation and I mean there's you can get into the murky, but it's just in a a bare mm-hmm. framework for me that's yeah that was a bit of a struggle I had working through this because it's kind of like yeah okay and I think that's like that would make this a bigger book well to go into the spirit in the midst of because he's talking about who is Jesus like his whole point so that's what he's going to focus he on is, he is zeroed in the, on that characteristic of gentle and lowly yeah so tight yes that everything is there like I, yeah. I'm, I'm going to frame everything in that conversation mm-hmm. and and I get there's a comfort in that to where you're like okay so not only does he welcome us in and and works for us and mediates for us in that but he is standing up for us and with us in court but I do think in the charismatic background you spend so much time talking about the Holy Spirit like the the group that I went through this book with is like most people didn't grow up with that emphasis so if you if you haven't spent a lot of time around the emphasis on the Holy Spirit you don't think to be like okay wait Paraclete means Holy Spirit. Like most people don't have that in their yeah back pocket. And, and I think was it in this or was it? Gosh, I tell you what, I got I got too much information floating around in my brain. Where yeah, later on where he talks about in the the eleventh chapter when he you know he talks about the humanity of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean theologically. Jesus is not omnipresent. Right. He took on human form. Mm -hmm. And so he limited himself. Mm -hmm. And that's where the office of the Holy Spirit comes in. Yeah. Is is that that is the interactive being of the Trinity Mm -hmm. that that gives us so when we talk about Jesus coming to my heart, you know. Right. uh, He's at the right hand of the Father. Mm -hmm. And so you're you're really at that point. Now this is where you're Charismatics would disagree, but that's when the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells. Yeah. And makes makes a home. And so Y'all just lost. Y'all are both zoned out. <laughs> Even I'm worse. trying. My then are like gone. No, we're see, now the train the, the creative juices are flowing <laughs> over here. I had to stop and just roll and think for a little bit. I've been in construction mode. Maybe Dane needs to write two more books to make this a trilogy about the Trinity. <laughs> you would have to focus on God. There, yeah, there yeah. would be a God book and there a would God be a, Holy, a Holy Spirit, Spirit book. book. Yeah. yeah. And they can all be two adjectives. <laughs> God really uses one. God. <laughs> Love. I don't know. 
I think people are uncomfortable with the Holy Spirit. Well, I think if you're if you haven't heard about it all of your life, yeah, you're probably more uncomfortable. Well, I think they were the again the picture that the Holy or the the charismatic church or Pentecostal church gave was a skewed view of what the Holy Spirit is. Oh yeah, it was more more about feelings and emotion and 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 less about. It's about empowering you with these gifts that really were charisma, mm-hmm. things that, that brought out this energy and this excitement and, and gave these feelings and these goosebumps, but it it was not it was less about creating the loving heart of God in a person that that is demonstrated in the fruits of the spirit. Right. When we were going to First Baptist, the pastor, we went to their house for dinner, and he asked us, because he knew what kind of church we came from. Yeah. And he, he said, Can I, do you care if I ask you questions about how you believe and, you know, speaking in tongues? And so we got to have a there. conversation about the Holy Spirit with them, which was very interesting, because, you know, Baptists don't put emphasis on the Holy Spirit, like a charismatic church does. But I, I remember him saying, it's not, I, I'm not saying I don't believe in it. I just haven't experienced it like yeah. that. So I can't speak from experience and say, you know, this happened to me or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to know, like, has this happened to you? Have you experienced this? Or this, or this that I've only heard of. Well, and I think I think it's just easier to put characteristics on a person, and the Holy Spirit like is hard to understand as a person. Jesus is. It's really easy to picture Jesus as a dude, you know, like with these characteristics. Like, yeah. but the the Holy Spirit, it, it's got spirit in its name. You know, well, and we use the article the, right, not Holy Spirit, well, not Holy Spirit, yeah, not Holy Spirit. Yeah, well, I've heard people do that and intentionally do that, but yeah, we use the Holy Spirit, right, or the Holy Ghost. Ha, bless God, <laughs> right. You know? But, but that's it's the different viewpoint. But is again, there was a, a people trying to correct that or, or steer back in, you know, steer into the slide a little bit. Uh, people started using the person of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. you know, using that phrase intentionally, so that people would start thinking about that relationship with the Holy Spirit differently. Yeah, and I'm thinking I've got that the Holy Spirit, you are welcome here, rolling that song because <laughs> it addresses like as a person, mm-hmm. you are welcome here. You are welcome here. Yeah, yep. but when you talk about being compassionate, being our advocate, like it's really easy to picture whatever your mental image of Jesus is, whether it's Obi-Wan or something else, but it's easier to picture that well, than think to think of, of a spirit or a ghost. You, you think know? of the, so in that analogy, you think of the, the Holy Spirit as the force. Yeah. Is this unseen thing enacting on, I mean, there's. That binds us and surrounds us. <laughs> I mean, 
He he really does draw, which a lot of oh, it's yeah. all Middle Eastern influence and yeah, you know. But it's oh, there's definitely a draw from from yeah. all of that. You got the the child born of the of the spirit and mm-hmm. the flesh, mm-hmm. and you've got where are the holy metachlorians. <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> oh, that's the gifted children. <laughs> Some people just ignore that. Yes. So it's optional yeah. theology with the Quarians. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. No. And it's it's easy to fall off the brails on that. It, it's because you. It is exciting. Yeah. I mean, growing up around that, you know, my my growing up in the church that we did. They would think like I'm a Tim Keller junkie, and I love Tim Keller's style, his 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 thought process, his delivery. But he is self-proclaimed he is more like a professor, yeah, than he is a preacher. Mm-hmm. And people in the church that I grew up in, or the background that I grew up in, would be like, "Man, that is boring." <laughs> you know, I shoot, man, those those, I mean, high point. You'd have these, our, so where mom grew up at, you know, high points, the, the old time Pentecost, like higher the hair, closer to heaven, and skirt, denim skirts, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, but I could always tell when a, a uh, revivalist was in town, because they would stop by the store I worked at, was just down the road, and they would come in and they sound, they were hoarse. <laughs> They'd come in and their voice would be all just wore out because. They sound like a metal singer whenever they're preaching. Yeah. I mean, they hit the they hit the thing, and all of a sudden it turns into growls. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there was pitch wheels at some point, but like it was just deep, deep throat screaming. Mm-hmm. But that was their way of like, this is the Holy Spirit moving. Mm-hmm. This is the Holy Spirit lining lining with me, and and um, that kind of stuff is really what got us away from Bethel. Because we could see, we were we were at a point of transitioning out of that with the pastor that we had for ten years. He was he was getting away from that, and then the one that came in, we thought was kind of heading in that same direction, and then there was that moment to where we're like, oh, we're heading back. Mm-hmm. We're heading back toward toward that stuff, and it's like this ain't good. Because yeah. I can't go there again. Yeah. Not, not this imbalanced approach of, of the work. And, I mean, truly, when you, when the, I, I believe when, when the Holy Spirit, when the paraclete is doing what the paraclete does, a person becomes more loving and more compassionate. Yeah. You're supposed to. But the people who we saw growing up that were full of the Holy Spirit were far from that they really didn't show the fruits of the spirit right no it was about the gifts a true sign that the holy spirit was alongside of you was these expressions of gifts Mm -hmm. that put that put more emphasis on the person bearing the gift than on the gift giver right right yeah yep I've done all the talking. <laughs> so, chapter 9 just brought up questions of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Chapter 10, we get introduced into another author. Yeah. 
Edwards. Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards. Oh, I thought we talked about Edwards already. No, that's no. ten. Um, I don't think he'd come up before. I don't we did a lot of Goodwin. We did a lot of Bunyan. Yeah, always. And now we're at Edwards. Edwards always comes up. Yeah, yeah. which but, it's all he's t- talking so about a lot of Puritans. So the, Edwards has to come up. The funny picture to me because he talks about Edwards preaching to the children. Yeah. I mean, sinners in the hands of the angry God. Yeah, known <laughs> known for being monotone <laughs> and kind of boring to listen to. Can you imagine him talking to children? Well, and he, like, 97, he says, throughout his ministry, Edwards sought to woo people with the beauty of Christ. And the only thing I have about Edwards is sinners in the hands. Because yeah. I've taught it. Yeah. And I, like, I can't, I, apparently I need to read more Edwards. It's apparently the greatest <laughs> well, theologian in American history. I just don't see him talking, but I've only seen that one. But he, he must be talking about the beauty of Christ in other places. Yeah, I know. That's <laughs> I think you've got a lot of Piper. Piper it was influenced heavily by... Edwards. Yeah. And if you, I mean, that is Piper's thing. Yeah. Man, he is, that yeah. is it, really modern, modern. Desiring God, yeah. Yeah, his whole picture is, is the beauty of, right. of Christ. I don't know, I just can't imagine Jonathan Edwards. Yeah, because he was focus. monotone. His, yeah, he did not like being yeah. the focus. But, I don't think that Puritans were big on being entertained either. So. No, I'm sure children were a bit better behaved. <laughs> they were meant probably. to be seen No, and he seen says and he only heard. took 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah, it wasn't very really long. But I mean, you've seen children try to sit still and stuff like his, that? Yeah, his whole I've point. seen them sit still long enough to get a dum-dum afterward. Yeah. <laughs> I bet that's what he, he did. He probably had dum-dum. Exactly, like, whatever it takes. If yeah. thou shalt listen to my sermon, thou shalt receive a dum-dum. Dum-dum for the dum-dum. Yeah. Um... But he, yeah, his whole point for children, children ought to love the Lord Jesus Christ above all things in the world. And I have to say that Matthew ten thirty seven is one of my least favorite verses. Because it always felt like a personal attack. <laughs> he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. <laughs> I talked about that in Sunday school today. Like, the, the, we, we've been talking a lot. I'm in a group that's studying Romans and then at church so we're going through a series on Revelation and both are kind of aligning to talking about your eternal hope and if your eternal hope is in things on the earth then you can very easily become hopeless because those things can be taken from you and so I was talking this morning in class like if this group of people right here was taken from me I do not see that I would be able to maintain hope (laughs) Which tells me that my hope is not in eternal places, which is what this verse, you know, is coming to. But, but yet we are, <laughs> and he understands yeah. how we are, who we are, what we are, why we are. Mm-hmm. He knows. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's an idea about an anchor, knowing where you're from and where you're from. I, I also, I mean, we don't like to ponder on thoughts like that, Mm-mm. but I also <laughs> take hope in seeing other people who have gone through things like that yeah and how they do come out on the other side and you you think wow that's truly a miracle Mm -hmm. and i know that he is a god of miracles so you know we can't imagine it but he can I don't want to talk about it. I just want to say I hate that verse. (laughs) So as soon as I start this chapter every time, I'm like, I don't want to read this chapter because I don't like that verse. 
Yeah. I Which know. he didn't stay on that very long. No. Like, he just went straight into the beauty of Christ after that. Yeah, yeah. But the first two pages, I was like, I don't want to read this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, back to, to the church thing, though. Um, you know, one thing growing up, again, growing <clears> up in, <throat> in the background that we did, because the idea is you see a big, powerful God mm-hmm. that will do miracles, you know? And there's a there's a looking down on and it was very I'm going to use the word chaotic I mean like our services there was no possible way to make well yeah you could but you couldn't make a an itinerary for a service because mm-hmm. the whole idea was to let the Holy Spirit have his way yeah and and so but I could usually pretty well I could t- you know, we all knew kind of how it was going to go down mm-hmm. but the idea was that there's there's freedom where the where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom so that that idea and so when you look at churches that have laid out plans and and I'm going to use the word high church when when you have high church you know what I mean like H I G H church that's the very structured organized ceremonial even liturgical yeah church um the charismatic idea is looking down on that because it's like oh you're you're keeping god from doing what he can do you're making everything about the your formula or about your program and all of that and i thought the same thing but you know i've seen high church done right and there's this element to where you look back and you say god is awesome Mm mm-hmm like when it's, you know, it's not, I'm not looking at all this stuff around. It almost kind of melts into the background and there's a, there is a done right. It points, it points heavenward. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, you know, we, we talk about Steve. That's where Steve was good. He was a worship pastor. Yeah. Steve was, <laughs> Steve was good. And I think I've seen that with, with Heart, what a little bit of, I've seen of Heartland. Like, mm-hmm. But Steve was good at that. Like he stepped out of the way, and yep. super talented, could pick out music. But knowing the guy for one helped. But but just could, like you just step back and go, God is cool. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think that's kind of what Edwards is trying to do, and what they're tr- doing in this this chapter is like just stepping back and going, Jesus is the greatest person ever mm-hmm. the most beautiful person ever and this person wants to share himself with you yeah like yeah. he could look down on you but he doesn't mm-hmm. like that's that. yeah he says in this chapter he is the holiest meekest most humble in every way the most excellent man that ever was mm-hmm. yeah um the other day I was I, when I went to the courthouse, you're a duty. The guy that rides around on the bicycle that is the street preacher. Have y'all ever seen him? Mm-hmm. Somebody's asked me before if he, he's ever talked to me. And I've never. He's never preached to me. I've spoken to him one time. But he's never preached to me. And, I, and I'd heard that he's one of those goes pretty hard. So I'm just like, I'm ready. I've been <laughs> waiting for this guy. And I'm heading into the courthouse. And it's 8.30 in the morning. People are trying to get in there. It's hot. It is already hot. It's one of those days when it's 100 degrees. And I see him outside. And I'm like, oh, no. And and I come up, and he is he's hitting the people as they're coming in. He's hitting oh, gosh. Them. He's getting them. And he is on fire. 
and uh, I forgot what he said. There was me and a couple other people that were kind of right behind me. I was not in the mood. I was definitely not moving in the spirit of Jesus. And uh, but he he said something about the commands being written on our heart. But he was already going on about we don't preach what they used to preach when our grandparents were growing up. <laughs> and but he said the commands written on our heart, and I said, yep. And his command. I mean, I, I'm, I'm across the parking lot. I didn't tell or not, across that whole wide sidewalk thing going mm-hmm. in. I didn't tell you all this because I almost felt bad. But he, all those people are just kind of rolling their eyes. And he says that. And I said, yep, he wrote his command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And go get a job. <laughs> like, 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 just, I was not in the mood. But... That's not in there. <laughs> yeah, that's commandment number three. Commandment, <laughs> commandment number three is... Be useful. <laughs> be useful. <laughs> what are you doing? Because you're just riding around Lower Town Paducah yelling at people from your bicycle. <laughs> Go get a job. But but I was thinking... He you was know, suffering for the Lord. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, but coming out, the thing that I... I he wasn't there when I came out. But coming out, I, I wanted to, to say, you know, it's the... It's, it's the love of God that leads us to redemption. Yeah. And what you're doing is not. <laughs> what? Yeah. And that's that's the part that frustrates <laughs> me with all of it. That's the part. That's what I got out of this chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what page it's on because I'm in the Kindle. But um, where he talks about the love and grace that Christ has manifested does as much exceed all that which is in the world, as the sun is brighter than a candle. Uh, parents are often full of kindness toward their children, but that is no kindness like Jesus Christ. Like, for me as a parent, I don't think I love anybody more than I love my kids. And what he's saying is, even that love is just a candle compared mm-hmm. to the sun of my love. Mm-hmm. You know, my love is the sun. And your love is a candle. So how much more? I mean, you can't imagine it. You can't fathom that kind of love because we don't understand it because we don't have it. We we cannot have it. I just, I think it's so exhausting to debate and pick apart. And I think the church makes it too hard. He just loves he just loves. Mm-hmm. He just loves. Does say the whole reason we care about sound doctrine is for the sake of preserving God's beauty. Did he say that? Yeah, it was at the top of 99. Um, I underline that. Yeah. Because I thought that was important. Like, there's, because he, he uses the analogy just as the whole reason we care about an effective focal lens on a camera is to capture with precision the beauty we photograph. So, like, there's well, a layer of okay. understanding as truth, well as just accurate doctrine. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have to know the truth in order to appreciate the truth. Now, there is petty arguments that we have. That's why we have a thousand and ten denominations because there's little petty arguments that we have. But but doctrine is important, too, in appreciating the beauty. Like, you've got to know. You have to see it clearly in order to appreciate. But 
the most the most important thing. And he talked. This is the chapter where he talks about romancing the heart of Jesus. Because I've, I've said I brought that up in a podcast. But I don't remember what chapter we were talking about, but this idea of romancing the heart of Jesus was is weird for me to wrap my brain around because I'm not a romantic person. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but if I make but you way, can yeah. You can imagine, like when I think of your dad being romantic, when we were dating, he used to write me notes all the time. And he could really write good notes. (laughs) He could really lay it on thick. (laughs) And that's, that's, that's romantic. (laughs) And I can see you, because you write really well, sitting down and writing yeah. To God. Yeah. You know. I have to put it in those kind of ways. Because well, when you think of romantic, it's... And I, like, I have to think about... When you talk about people who are in a new relation, relationship and talk about being romantic, it's different than you talking about... Because for you, dad being romantic now... Is, folding low laundry. Is cleaning the kitchen <laughs> without you asking him to clean the kitchen. You know, like, acts of service, things like that, which is... Yeah. And and just quality time. Like we've talked on here before about you two need time together. Otherwise you start to get cranky. And mm-hmm. I think that's part of it too is just spending the time. Because he talks about that. Um, build into your life unhurried quiet. And it's just that time of sitting and being. Mm-hmm. So it's not the fluff and the... You can write a really good note and not really mean it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and one thing... I love about that is because growing up how we did I always heard that you're supposed to go into the prayer closet you're (laughs) supposed to go into the prayer closet and you need to spend hours in there yeah you know praying interceding for others and and I'm not that kind of person for one thing I'm not a person of words yeah but I know that Dad and I can sit on the couch beside each other mm-hmm. and not say anything and still feel loved by one another. And, and I connected. know I can do that with God. Like, I can yeah. just, I can go to Lake Glendale and sit on that rock right there and look over the lake <laughs> and not say a word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You mean God's not impressed by flowery prayers? No, he isn't. <laughs> he is not. I thought I thought you had to do with like if you wanted to do with God, you had to go somewhere with stained glass windows <laughs> and a priest to be the mediator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm seeing that a lot right now. I've been watching Vikings, and man, man, priests back then were. It was a political movement. They were, they were, <laughs> yeah. Oh, they were powerful. Yeah. They were, they were powerful. Well, think about how much, like, historically, think about, like, the kings of England, like, how much of their political power took place through the church. Oh, absolutely. And they how the church, the church, the church followed along with what the kings wanted. I mean, Henry VIII caused a whole new side of Christianity because he wanted to divorce his wife. Like, it's, the church and the state played a lot of roles together, which is one reason America was built on the idea of separating the two. Yeah. 
so that the state could stay out of the church and the church could stay out of the state so that it doesn't become a political power. Yeah. It's hard to imagine why... It's hard for me to imagine why or how people can look to a, another god because in the in the Vikings they worship Thor and mm-hmm. Loki and all of those and and from my viewpoint I'm like why would you even think about worshiping something like that seen Chris Hemsworth (laughs) (laughs) okay we know about your crush (laughs) there's an element of worship that happens when I see that man anyways (laughs) no you that was just fight appreciate the goodness of the creator beautiful that made that (laughs) mom sits at a rock and looks at like Glendale dad watches (laughs) Thor I listen to Chris Hemsworth read read stories <laughs> and say I'm straight anyway part part yeah. of their I mean they would battle each other because they believed in their gods and the church of England believed in Jesus mm-hmm. you know and they would war over that it's just so hard to imagine now yeah I do want to say 99 towards the end of chapter 10 he says um, why not give your soul room to be re-enchanted with Christ time and again which is kind of what we talked about just the sitting and being re-enchanted and I think before we started this book that's something Ethan and I had talked about was just the idea of God intoxicated intoxicated. you can call it falling in love, being enchanted being wooed, like whatever you want to call it but that I think think the way I grew up the church that y'all also grew up in like emotions were so heavy that I've kind of shut them off Um, I want to find the balance because it's been an intellectual relationship with Jesus for so long that I don't know how to be enchanted and I think that like this book is a way to just ponder on who he is I've heard it said that the the furthest what is it the, the hardest distance in in growing in God or whatever is the 18 inches between the head and the heart. Yeah. Like that's that's the the path, that's the area, the space that you've really got to struggle with. Yes. Yeah. Is, is that. Um, and he talks about because this this chapter started with what Jonathan Edwards had to say to the to kids in his church, and he says um, our goal is that our kids would leave the house at 18 and be unable to live the rest of their lives believing that their sins and sufferings repel Christ. And I think if that was the mission of every kid's ministry, Seriously. what a different world we would have. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, no, throw that out there. Not, we don't no, have to stay I'm on it. I'm not going to get on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't have to stay on that. But I think that like, if if I could operate that way of being unable to believe that my sins repel Christ, like, I don't know. I don't know if that's possible, but... <laughs> Not until we get there. <laughs> so hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 
I mean, that's why he keeps telling us in this book, <laughs> you do not have to hide. Yeah. You know, you do not have to make excuses for yourself. That was part of this chapter. Yep. You do not have to make excuses. Yeah. And it, it really goes into the, uh, the doctrine of um, prevenient grace. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what in... Uh, I don't want to talk about that. Prevenient <laughs> grace? Just, it just it just turns into so many things. Go ahead. We won't stay on that. Anyway. No, but I mean the <laughs> idea of prevenient grace is is he just shows his beauty to you and draws you to himself. Yeah. He goes ahead and says, Hey, look at me. Yeah. And and it's a it's a draw. Like We gotta move on. Okay. Chapter eleven is what Dad talked about earlier, the idea of Jesus became a man. He became human. He is still human. Like he took that humanness with him when he went back to heaven. Yeah. Yeah, this was the chapter I was like, eh, okay. It's all, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it it does. It talks about emotions, like the difference between our emotions and because he said Jesus experienced the full range of emotions that we do, and I wrote in the margin, Jesus is emo. Yeah, I know. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> but his emotions are perfect, whereas ours are imperfect. So when when it talks about Jesus's compassion, it's different than ours. His anger is different than ours. Which perfect, like perfect anger casts out, perfect love casts out fear. Perfect anger is like just as hard to wrap my mind around. Like how can you have perfect anger because you're supposed to be angry but not sin? And yeah. Like it's, it's a yeah, how, the how, perfection how, in the emotion is weird. How, <laughs> how can you be angry and not sin? Yeah. Like, no, I've, I've <laughs> caused murder in my brain. Yeah. And you've told me about that. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> in my heart, I've killed him yep. because of anger. And yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. So when it talks about Jesus, like Jesus is angry but it's a perfect anger, so there's nothing wrong with it. Like, I don't know if we're capable. Because he says, don't assume that your anger is sinful or that it's wrong. But I don't know of a time that I've felt anger that it wasn't. I guess when you're feeling anger on behalf of someone else. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the phrase. There's a phrase, and it's, it's escaping me. I was thinking it the whole time I was reading that chapter. And like, yeah. I'm going to bring that up. But <laughs> now I can't think of what it's called. But, yeah, I don't think my anger is ever based in compassion. Yeah, it is. It is. No, I've been angry for people. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I mean, it used the example, it is the father who loves his daughter most whose anger rises most fiercely if she is mistreated. Like, it's the same motivation there. Of Like, when he gets angry in the temple, it's on behalf of what they've done wrong to the church, which is his bride. Like, Well, and their representation of his father. Yeah. That's... The only thing I, about this one is the last paragraph. I think there's some very dangerous wording because it's telling us to be angry. And I think it's it, not incorrect in any way, but I do see a lot of people taking that the wrong way. 
Yeah, that's where he says, let us not be too quick to assume our anger is sinful. Yeah. Uh, the Bible positively orders us to be angry when occasion calls for it. Yeah. Which I didn't look into those verses. No, I just know I've seen so many angry Christians in my life about dumb things. Like people sitting outside the courthouse yelling at people. I mean, I, I've heard the phrase righteous anger a lot. Yeah. <laughs> We've been to pride rallies and things like that. Yeah, I've seen angry Christians. Yep. And yeah, I think that is a dangerous thing to say. Well, in both sides of an issue, will I mean, let's go with the big issue that's happened. We won't go into the semantics of it, but with the, the road decision that just happened, like both sides of it, there are people who are compassionate for a group of people. Mm -hmm. And and both can make their righteous claims in that. The thing that I just sit and look at is nobody will listen to anybody else. Yeah. Like they are so much more righteous than everybody, you know, than the other side that it's like there can be absolutely no dialogue whatsoever. And I want to read the last paragraph. I don't know if you meant the exact last paragraph. No, I, mean, I really meant the one before that. I was actually That's about to bring up what you were. I have. Yeah, yeah, because the very last paragraph explains, I think, yeah. in that knowledge, release your debtor and breathe again. You know, release your mm -hmm. anger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let go. Let go and let God. <laughs> yeah. You know, that whole thing. But, you know, forgive. Forgive. And then let Christ's heart for you not only wash you in his compassion, which he's one you forgive, you learn compassion, but assure you of his solidarity and rage. He has rage against all that distresses you mm -hmm. and death and hell. Yeah. Yeah. I think the big thing is he spends a lot of time in this chapter establishing Jesus' perfect compassion. Yeah. before he gets to the anger because the anger that Jesus has comes from compassion. Yeah. And we are not, like he gives an example of himself seeing a leper. Like when we see someone in need, we might be upset by it, but we don't, we're not driven to help. It's easy for us to be indifferent. And I mean, he's talked a lot about how Jesus cannot be indifferent when he sees sin, when he sees disease, when he sees conflict because it should not be happening like it's signs of a broken world and that angers him because he is so compassionate I wonder what Jesus would have said to that man because he would have he would have felt compassion for that man right like he would have seen where that man was coming from and doing what he was doing you know we just see what he's doing and we get frustrated because we've seen that cause other wrong thing so everybody has a motivation yeah yeah um if it makes you feel better mom in my book the end of chapter 11 is the dead center <laughs> because i can see the binding yeah so we're halfway i wonder i wonder if we shouldn't just finish the book <laughs> and then discuss it. Well, you didn't read the three chapters. It, no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this would motivate me 
to finish the book. (laughs) Because then it doesn't seem like, because it really does just feel like it's taking forever. And it's not a long book. Like it's, yeah, but we just spent an hour talking about three chapters. Yeah. Because that's what we do. Okay. So if we read 12 chapters, we're going to spend four hours talking about it? No. Turn into a Joe Rogan podcast. No, you have to write cliff notes. We don't cliff notes. We don't cliff notes. And there, I mean, we would talk about a chapter for eight minutes. Yeah. Which is a long time. Yeah. Just saying. I'm just saying. Are you impatient, honey? A little bit. I am so impatient. And I will tell you, I do not have you, patience. You, you, you're not going to be able to binge watch this on a weekend. Nope. I have to admit openly that we decided two weeks ago, maybe not even a full two weeks, that we were going to sell this house. And I'm so frustrated that we're not done. Because that's how I am. I just am not patient. Oh, oh we know. Oh. We're aware. Ugh. So, There's, no, we are not going to finish the book because we're going to force it, you to be patient. It has a fact. <laughs> we're, we're making you patient. Man. Four more You Sundays. can't make me patient. No. And I will not pray for it. So, but we can <laughs> There's that. No, but we will pray for you. <laughs> we'll pray about you. Yeah. It's okay because so. Jesus is interceding for you. He mm-hmm. is. For your lack of patience. Right, he still loves you. He still loves you. He's even still your I, advocate, yeah. even when you express your impatience. At he us knows. He made me through passive aggressive text messages. He uh-huh. made me. <laughs> yeah, I wonder who sent those. My children are a little resentful towards me at this moment. <laughs> My anger is righteous. Righteous indignation. Righteous indignation. <laughs> That's the words that yeah. I've been sitting there. In what does head. that mean exactly? something because but righteously. you're righteous yeah because you're, you're right indignant pick that word apart indignant means feeling or showing anger or annoyance at what is perceived as unfair treatment yeah. oh you think i'm treating you unfairly yes <laughs> by asking you to clean up the mess that you made there was no ask in, in the text that you sent us I anyway let's phrase. not get into this right now <laughs> so next time we are not reading the whole rest of the book we're reading 12 13 and 14 12 13 and 14 we have four weeks left. i have four weeks left in this book so there you go and if you go ahead and read a chapter tomorrow just do I will forget chapter. it. Yeah, no, I can't do tomorrow. it tomorrow. <laughs> then you won't have to worry about. Yeah, it'll come back to you. Yep. So. It's it's not like we talk about it anyway. <laughs> yeah, y'all just sit here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we'll see you next week yeah. for something else. Next week is now on to something entirely different. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. And thank you, you for spending the past hour with us in the family of the podcast together you may close the book now <laughs> i don't remember how i started it i don't know yeah. goodbye Bye. goodbye <laughs>